Good news, everybody. That was my terrible Hubert Farnsworth impression. Um, I, you know, we had that writing session on Tuesday. Yeah. It wasn't very good. Uh-huh. I wrote maybe 100 words. Uh-huh. Felt bad about myself. Yep. And deleted more than I added. Yeah, I didn't know about that part, but... Well, sounds... that was most of that process was me just deleting what I already wrote. Uh, or rather, what I was writing. Anyway, yesterday, something tickled me deep inside. You know, when that happens, it just gets up in there. Mm-hmm. Well, I got in the mood and I started doing some writing. And I knocked out a thousand words on that story. Ooh, nice. So now I'm progressing it. And uh, hopefully I can keep that going for a couple thousand more words. Finish it and submit it to the anthology. That yeah, because we, yeah, we only get to the end of the month, right? Yeah. So, uh, and you're going to be busy here soon. So you're yeah, going to have to so get cracking on it. I'm hoping I can uh, knock that out by... If not this weekend, by the end of next week sometime. Just depending on how busy I am. I'm never busy enough that I can't finish a fucking project. I'm just, uh, how do you say, infatuated with stupid shit on the internet. I was going to say a master of protectinating. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a master of something. You ever wish your last name was Bates and you were like, uh, you know, like a rich guy like Bruce Wayne? So you had a butler that had to call you Master Bates. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if you could, if you were rich enough to have a butler, you could you make him call you whatever you wanted to be called. You know, no matter whatever your name was. Butlers have standards. Maybe not modern butlers. I feel like butlers back in the because butler used to be a, like a noble, not a noble profession, but it was a profession. But yeah, passed down like the family. Yeah, that people sought out because you know not only live in a baller ass house, but you make a lot of money being a butler. I feel like butlers now make a lot of money, but they're probably more, uh, I, I don't know. Well, like, there, do you think there's actual butlers? Yeah, they're still butlers, but I feel like they're more expendable now. You know, or like rich guys, instead of wanting one butler to, well, I don't know, because I don't really know the lives of like super rich people yeah. now. Because we think of like Elon Musk, but how many billionaires don't you know about? Mm. They're probably the, like, or even like the Saudi princes, you can't tell me they don't got some cool or, butlers. Or does it, has everything just switched to maids? No, because the butler's different, man. No, when you actually get rich, rich, Spencer, break this down for you all right quick, there's a few things that go on. You have your maids. I would say that's bottom tier rich guy stuff because I can get a maid now. It's like They don't really cost that much. Living maid, second yeah. tier. That's obviously out of my price range. And then there's also maids. Uh, Multiple. Know. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's another that's a level there. Third level, chef. Yeah. Or live-in chef. Oh, that's crazy. Now, if you got a live-in chef, well, now you're just at the point where you probably have a whole guest, like a separate house or rooms or a castle. Then Butler, I feel, is uh, right up there with Nanny. Now, now there's people, you know, people who aren't super rich and have a nanny, but it's the levels of the nanny. Yeah. If I'm talking about one of those nannies that raised the kid from birth and is the pretty Basically, much the mom yeah. because the mom's too busy going out having wine spritzers all day. You know, with her fancy rich people at the country club. I don't know why we're talking about that, but that's the levels. And you, if you get a butler, living butler, you're uh, living the life. Well, I always like the. Uh, I always thought it was pretty much like uh, uh, Rizzo in his episodes of Californication, where he just he he was a wrist actor, and he just he always wanted an Alfred, so yeah. he got himself an Alfred. <laughs> that would be cool to have an Alfred. It's, see, the butler's like the father figure, and the nanny is like the mother figure for the neglected children. But I feel like that's more of like a British, like European yeah. thing. 
other than like you know that doesn't really happen over here too much like again depends how rich you are anyway i wanted to bring this up in the cold open because i feel like it wouldn't fill out a whole episode as you saw that classic literature group we're in i uh asked a question and it ended up getting like 300 something answers and everybody's been fucking talking on there and it's like it started all these debates and discussions do you want me to read the whole thing because the question's kind of lengthy or I could just uh, shorten it? Uh, that's up to you, dude. You're the one speaking. Mm, 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 mm. Um, I'm just going to shorten it here. Uh, what if, did... you want, if you want the whole question, go to... Did we post it on your on your personal... No, it's or, just, or, no, it's just it on, on the literature the, group. Um, yeah. You'd have to go to Classic uh, Literature Group. Classic Literature Book Club on Facebook. It's uh, probably the biggest classic literature group on there that I, I that I found anyway. Uh, but the question is, what's your biggest pet peeve when it comes to dealing with literary fans or snobs? And then I elaborated, or elaborated, <laughs> elaborated uh, for multiple paragraphs, uh, just different things. But my biggest pet peeve, you know, breaking it down to the bare bones here, is when someone tells you you don't understand a book just because you didn't like it. For so for me, Moby Dick, I stated before I didn't like Moby Dick for many reasons, and I stated my reasons, but people kept giving me the audience, you just didn't understand it, or even worse, well maybe you're just you're, you know, your comprehension isn't that good. You just you didn't read it right. It's like no, sometimes you just don't like something. Well I've we've we've talked about this in other different genres of either it be like comic books or movies or uh you know modern novels or whatever it's always gonna be those group of people who are like if you like something because of this it's the wrong reasons if you don't like like if you like the popular things of a, of a group you're you're terrible you're not an after yeah. fan but then if you don't like the popular things and likes the other stuff then you're still Terrible and not an actual fan. It just depends on the the point of view of the person grilling you. Well, what I've noticed is, as you spoke of genre, if we really extend the genre and go into just different mediums, it's interesting because if you look at classic literature, if you don't like the classics, then th that's when people have a problem with you. Well, uh, it's not, kind of, I'm gonna because I got in a well, I didn't get in a debate, but some people argued my point because I I put snobs in the uh, parentheses yeah. when I said literary fans or snobs because snobs are the ones I feel are the ones that talk down to you. Yeah, but uh, you know some people took that personal probably because they're snobs. So if you are dealing with snobs, they're the ones where like if you don't like you know the Count of Monte Cristo, Moby Dick, Anna Karenina, then they look down on you like oh you didn't understand the, those are the, the fucking snobs. But when we go to, like, say, the manga world or the anime world, well, it's different. If you like the popular thing, then those particular snobs, yeah. uh, those gatekeepers are like, oh, you're not really a fan of the, the anime genre if you're just watching, you know, Attack on Titan and Dragon Ball Z. and Like, they want you – or they, I, I feel like they don't want you because mm. you're, you don't want you in your, their exclusive club. Yeah. They want you, though, essentially they, to be they watching the – Obscure they stuff. They don't want no new members. Yeah. They don't want no new members. Which is it's, dumb. It's, yeah, it's like they berate you if you don't watch these obscure animes. But if you do, and especially if you're a female, then they really mm. get on you about, you know, well, what's this and what's that? What, like, they ask you all these mm. questions, and it's almost like they're challenging you 
because I, I don't know. I don't. I never got the reason behind challenging and, someone. Well, and that's like what I uh, what I never got because like one of the things that I have always in, enjoyed doing here in the past like decade or so since like the rise of the Marvel movies are like you know it's my friends or coworkers and being like so Ant Man what the fuck is that about? And yeah. then being like, and I can be like, well, you know, how big of a detail do you want? Do you want yeah. me to go in some details? You just want the broad strokes, you yeah. know? And like, you know, I, you know, I like doing that stuff. The only, the only time I, I, I don't like is whenever like somebody who you know that doesn't know who then tries to challenge you. And it's like, dude, that's when your inner gatekeeping yeah. Yeah. geek comes out. You're like, yeah. Hey, Hey, buddy, I know my shit, and I know you don't know the shit, yeah. so don't challenge me on the shit. Yeah, it's different, like, if I'm at, like, the comic shop, and yeah. one of the guys, are, I'm like, oh, the da 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 and they're like, no, I think it was the other way, and I'm yeah. like, yep, you might be right, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, you know, because, again, they, like me, have the experience, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I would always like to try to talk to people and... And, you know, and try to bring them in and like, yeah. dude, yeah, like, if you like that movie, you should check out this yeah. series. Like, it's a mini series. It doesn't tie into anything or whatever, you know, like, you know, just try to just try to get them, you know, well, that's what more interested. I've always felt was the healthy way of uh, being a part of a fandom is the the desire to introduce new people to what you like yeah. so you have more people to express what you like mm-hmm. with and share what you like with. Uh, so like the classic literature uh, group, there's a lot of people in there who are always telling me new like work, old writers I never heard of or even some modern writers, books I've never heard of, and they introduce you and they're excited about it. And then I, I, I check out some of them if it interests me. And then I find new writers that are like, oh, oh, I never heard of this person and I really enjoy it. Thanks for introducing me. Then you have something to talk about. But then there's also those people in that group who do the opposite. They're like, if you don't know, you don't know, and I'm not telling you. If you don't read the poetry of Ezra Pound, are you even reading poetry? You'd be like, I uh, guess not. I look, don't know. See, I have a question for you because you live in this in this particular award more than I do, do you find like in classic literature or just in even in like modern literature, do you find that 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 hatred or that like that uh, mindset is a little bit more stronger than what you might find in other, you know, other genres or other mediums? Um, It's different in the main way it's different is because it's almost like classism. Where in the classic literature world, uh, you get a lot of people trying to flex their intellect on you and almost trying to education shame. Because you'll notice if you read enough of those threads, a lot of the people who come off very snobby always have to announce their pedigree before they give their opinion. So you'll see a lot of people saying, well, you know, I have a master's in education and I've been a professor in literature for 20 years. Like... So they're always announcing, and those are usually the ones who will go on and uh, challenge whatever your opinion is because you didn't understand something yeah. or you didn't get something. And uh, that seems to be, like, in that genre, more prevalent than any other one. So if you're going to, like, manga or something, you're generally not going to see somebody like, well, I actually have, a, a, you know, a bachelor's in um, in, in art education. And, yeah. uh, like, no, no, nobody cares about that. Uh, though, in, like, say, manga... That's when you get the weebs. You get the whole, yeah. uh, 
Well, actually, I've uh, been studying Japanese for yeah. the last six years, and uh, I believe I know a little more than you yeah. about what makes a good anime, because I don't watch dubbed or subbed. Yeah. And you're like, well, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. You're a nerd. Shut up. <laughs> um, Not to nerd shame anybody here, but if you're going that far, if you're shaming others, then I will yeah, nerd shame yeah. you. Because usually those people are, you know, fedoras the, the, and trench coats. I'm made of rubber, and you're made of glue uh, defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. They start shaming. Bam! No, shame back onto you. Yeah, that's when I just throw bricks. 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 Bricks and rocks. I was going to say brocks, but uh, that's like, could you imagine? <laughs> you actually combine the word, but could you imagine if I threw Brock Lesnar at you? No, I was just going to say, <laughs> how many brocks are you throwing? <laughs> One brock. It's Brock Lesnar. That's more than enough. <laughs> I don't think I could pick that man up. He's very large. <laughs> anyway, uh... I mean, I guess we can continue this thing. We're like 15 minutes in. But no, we can continue this for a minute longer. Uh, in the comic book world, there is uh, different kinds of shaming. Yeah. And that's where, like I mentioned, the education shaming. And then in you know, the manga, you have like the whole fucking Japanese culture shaming thing, which is never done by Japanese people, by the way. It's fucking yeah. you know, nerdy white people usually. Uh, in the comic book world, you have more of the, the challenging aspect, the history shaming, the yeah. history of comics. Where people like to go back and, you know, in Avengers number 12, West Coast Avengers 6, well, Wonder Man had a boner and page, and then they're like, well, no, it was actually page 12, not 16. Well, well, especially too now, because with, uh, you know, with American comics, there's no clear through line now with yeah. any of the characters' histories. Like, it's all muddled. Ma- like, Marvel is, might have, like, the cleanest, but that's only just because they started in, like, the 60s, where... You know, uh, DC was in the late 30s. Yeah, so they had to revamp multiple times. Yeah, so it's so, like, so then it's like, what do you, then there's arguments of what do you consider canon, Mm. what's not canon, and it's, like, you know what I mean? That actually brings up an interesting topic. A lot of people, which this is a weird one, because anytime you name, like, oh, we could have a black Superman, people get super offensive, or, like, you know, they get upset, and you get that with almost any character, but Batman, it's a different way, because Batman comes from old money, Yeah. but with the revamping, like, I think we're finally at a time period now where it's like, you could have a black Batman and tell the same story, because... You know, you could have him be a well, you know, his family be of black wealth from, I don't know, the 70s or 80s or something. Like, it could be more modernized. Well, I'm going to try to paraphrase what I've heard uh, uh, another person said on a podcast, uh, Mark Bernardin from, he's on Kevin Smith's uh, Fat Man Beyond. Mm-hmm. He's an African-American gentleman, and they've had talked about this topic uh, a couple of times because, you know, they've been like talking about like, uh, Adis Alba as Batman, like yeah. how cool that, that would, would be. be fucking <laughs> awesome. And, and he, the thing he brought up was like the wealth. Bruce Wayne, he has like that generational wealth. Yeah, like that, like that old, like from. Well, that's what they talk century, about the old money. Yeah, like, like super old money, and then the like the conductations that kind of come mm. with that. To where, like, yes, now especially in you know in the past couple of decades that the you know the African American community have been able to get you know richer too with either sports education you know more yeah. getting more chances of things like that but it still hasn't been around long enough to have yeah. like that rude well the and thing stuff is though is that generational wealth aspect of Batman's character that important anymore that's where you get because of the revamping. Depends, yeah, it just depends on what story the writer's telling. Yeah. You know? I mean, for instance, when you 
have some of the original Batman stories from, I would say, the 30s to the 50s. Obviously, that wealth can probably go back to, like, England or wherever yeah. his family is supposedly from and uh, you know, hundreds of years. But when you get to modern Batman, well, now you could, you know, you can just say the 1800s or 1700s. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to go back necessarily as far. So, that would be something to toy with, but uh, I think we've rambled on too long. We should uh, come up with the topic of the day and talk about that. Do we got him? Yeah, because we had like two DBS episodes in a row, and I wanted this to be a real episode that we entered, you know, put between those. Because mm. that last episode was supposed to be about cyberpunk, and we literally talked about porn for 25 minutes. So <laughs> I, don't, I haven't listened back. I don't even know if I can publish that one, yeah. honestly. It might be terrible. I've had to do that every once in a while. We'll have episodes. I'm like, this is unpublishable. It is shit. Well, at least like the second half. This yeah. whole second. Because I felt like the first half was okay. I don't know. I don't think we gave good just to the book. Because we kept interrupting the book reading to talk you about porn. You no, 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 no. You were involved. You I was that. involved, but. Anyway, uh. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Boner pills. Do you need them? I'm asking you, Spencer. You uh, boner pills? Uh, no. You can but... always use them. Though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You might not need them. It's funny though. They got that Bluetooth. It's like a candy. Yeah. Yeah. They got them like uh, Flintstones vitamins. Yeah. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Howdy. Howdy. This is the Drug and Pen Writing Podcast. This is Cass, sorry. Oh, man. That intro got me roused up for intellectual stimulating conversation, but then we had a bit of intermission, and now I just want to go take a nap. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Sapporo Sapsucker Church. You ever have Sapporo beer? It's all right. No. I think it's pronounced Sapporo. The the double P fucks me up. Where is that located? Japan. Okay. Sapporo. Or it could be Sapporo. Anyway, today's episode uh, is based on an article Spencer Church wrote. How many years ago? (laughs) 2017. Long time ago. I can't believe we had the site up back back then. It doesn't seem like we should have. No. We're not famous yet. And we can't do what this article is about, which is... Ten questions you must ask yourself before quitting your day job to become a full-time writer. Well, it, it should be interesting to, to see the uh, thoughts and views of because that's uh, obviously that's very early on in in this experiment that we're, that we've been working on. Judging by that long ass title, uh, yeah, I would say <laughs> I would say that was early on in the writing experiment here. So it should be interesting <laughs> to see if our what our thoughts and views may vary. Your thoughts and views. views. Your thoughts and views. Mm. It's interesting to see if, uh, you know, how much your writing has improved since this article dropped. I hope a little bit. Because when I read articles I wrote from different websites and stuff, uh, when they pop up on the old internet, uh, go viral again and fucking piss me off. Because I'll read, I'll start reading something like, oh, that's cringy. Like, my writing and grammar has improved drastically since then. Well, if I was honest with you, I was hoping that we would just go by the titles and just drift on the titles and not actually go in. <laughs> you don't want me to read the article? Well, I mean, we, well, I don't I'm going to read the article. Oh, yeah. You said how long can we stretch the seven-minute article out? I got to <laughs> read the article or else we're not stretching anything. Oh, boy. I'm read your. I'm going to read your intro. It's a hot intro <laughs> coming in hot. Am I? I don't even remember. Yeah. God, I know you don't. You didn't even, knew, you didn't even remember that you wrote this. <laughs> 
I thought I wrote this, but then I read that long ass title. I was like, I can't. That could have been me. Actually, I think I probably came up with the <laughs> shitty title for you. Yeah. Uh, what is the dream for most aspiring writers? The most common answer is to make a career out of writing. Well, duh. Yep. After all, you love writing. So why wouldn't you want to do it for a living? The problem, though, is how do you take that giant leap of giving up your current work life to write full time? That is a actually a very valid question that I still, to Shru- this day, yeah. struggle with. In 2017, I was like, yeah, by 2021, I'll be a famous writer. That, that didn't happen. Didn't, uh, matter of fact, I didn't accomplish any of my writing goals since then either, really. Did not become published in any major magazines or anthologies as of yet. And uh, didn't submit to a lot. Every year, I'm like, I'm going to submit to this many. And I submit to like two. And usually they're either out of my league or the story just would never fit. Becoming a full-time writer is scary on so many levels. For one, you will no longer have financial security. That's a big one. Unless you are already filthy, stinking rich, then you shouldn't even be writing. That is also... That is... That fucking, damn it. Penis, penis, penis. Why did you put penis so many... I'm sorry. Also, we aren't all Stephen King, which means our work isn't guaranteed to sell like hotcakes no matter the quality of the writing. Especially, yeah, if you're starting out, that's, that's tough. Until yeah. you have a built-in audience that you know will buy your work, even if it's dog shit, that's tough. It's a huge risk, but if you think you're ready to take it, you must ask yourselves these questions first. Because it's always better to be safe than sorry. And there's a nice picture that says better safe than sorry. Number one. See, this definitely is early on because I think at some point we switched to doing the countdowns in reverse order because that brings the interest to the article, you know, makes people want to read it when it's 10, 9, 8, 7 yeah. because they're like, what's well, number one? Yeah. Uh, but if you start with number one, people don't give a fucking eh, that's the top one. Fuck it. Well, at this point, they've clicked. They clicked. We got their money. <laughs> yeah. We got we, all their money. We got their click. I mean, we don't charge, but if we did, we would have had their click money. If we had ads, we probably would have made 30 cents on this by now. Yeah. Number one, do you need to write full-time to be successful? Here's the obvious question you should ask yourself. Before you answer it, you'd be surprised by how many successful writers still have day jobs. Now, granted, having a decent-paying job that you actually like doing helps make juggling work and writing a bit easier. The thing is, we all want or need more writing time, and if you're already working a full-time job, it can really be challenging. Some folks are lucky in the regard that their jobs allow them time to write while they are at work, but most of us aren't afforded that luxury. Just remember, if you do decide to quit your day job to write full-time, make sure you have enough money saved up and a plan to be successful. Never quit your job if you aren't financially stable or have a substantial alternative income. I would say, what I would add to that... If sugar mamas. Need to find sugar mamas. If you have a sugar mama or sugar daddy, that would be obviously a good move. But what a lot of people do if they're married and they decide to take on, you know, trying to become a full-time yeah. writer... The spouse does have a decent paying job and insurance. Uh, I'm sure that'll pop up on here. So you can, you know, the the wannabe writer there can maybe, uh, you know, have a little more time because you can't live like that forever. Most like most situations. Yeah. Uh, Maybe like you said, like the wife has a good job. So maybe all you have to do is pick up a couple days a week. Yeah. Part time. You know, some some place or whatever. Um, another good idea I think would be before you take on, you know, like trying your hand at being a full-time writer is, uh, one, it would really help if you, I don't know if this is on the list, but if you already have writing gigs online, like you do freelance work or something, or maybe you have side gig at a magazine, that would be very beneficial because then you're getting paid to also write, but. And you also know that there's a good chance of you having steady work coming coming in. But even if you don't and you're thinking about getting into it, I would say have at least a full year's income in savings 
I think that would be a really good move because nothing would be worse than like you have maybe a couple thousand bucks in savings and that's all you have. And even if you do have, you know, a spouse who can support you, uh, how long are they going to really want to support you? Even if you're taking care of the house and stuff like they might start to resent you. Yeah. Because like, oh, your book isn't finished. It's been two years. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's time to get a job. Not even done with the first draft yet. Yeah. Maybe you should get a J-O-B while you're uh, toying with the idea for this book. Number two, I feel like this uh, should have been maybe number one. <laughs> number two, do you really want to write full time? You're probably thinking, of course I do. That's the whole point of reading this. But it's a whole other thing to actually spend eight plus hours a day, 40 plus hours a week writing. Just like a real day job, you'll eventually get burnt out. The main issue arises when you rely on your writing to cover your cost of living. When your writing does become an actual job, that's like anything that becomes an actual job. Usually and, you end up going, ah, fuck, I got to do this again. And that's uh, if you look at the, the successful writers that how they handle their writing. That's how, you know. Yeah, like they, a day job. Yeah, like we've said before, Stephen King's been known to quote it as, I go in and I do at least six pages every day. At least six. But it does, you know, if you have the time and the money that you can actually do that, eventually you would get used to it. Yeah. It comes a routine. That's another topic we've talked about, uh, writing routines. Being a paid writer sounds like a wonderful dream to most of us, but the reality can be closer to a nightmare. Really, Spencer? A I, nightmare? I, I don't remember, so it might be. <laughs> you see, when writing is your sole source of income, writing is now your job. That means it may become less enjoyable and more like a chore you need to do rather than something you want to do. Most likely, you won't go right into selling and living off of the books you want to write. Instead, you'll find yourself taking odd freelance jobs to cover your bills. And that can be a lot less fun than you ever imagined. And then has that sad SpongeBob flipping a I'm burger. Saying, you've gone a lot of SpongeBob for the yeah, for the picture so far. Maybe the whole thing SpongeBob to you. I don't know. I can tell you from personal experience, from doing a couple years of freelance work, uh, that it does you get burnt out. Of course, I was writing for the same genre of stuff. I was writing fitness-related things. Yeah. And even when I would uh, do some, like, fictional stuff dealing with fitness, like coming up with motivational stories and stuff, you do get the creativity burnout does happen. So if you're, you know, shopping around a lot of magazines that I see that are looking for uh, freelance work, they're all, like, home, like, parenting stuff or uh, maybe home and garden type of deals, like, what I would consider super boring yeah. topics uh, or, you know, things like that. And like, like topics that you would have to be into and then just happen to be able to write about those topics. Yeah. Like Even worse, the most common things that uh, are available for freelance writers are legal writing, which I don't know if you have to go to school for that or not, but that sounds awful. And um, corporate writing. Where you come up with uh, either like you write emails or just fucking boring shit. Like, you know, think about corporate stuff. Like uh, even if you get a job doing, uh, you know, corporate pamphlets or anything like that. Like it's all boring. It's all terrible. You have to write the sexual harassment pam uh, pamphlets yeah. they hand out. Yeah. Like if, if it's a freelance gig, it's very rare that it's going to be a fun freelance gig. And if it's a fun freelance gig, which I've worked some of those, they pay dog shit. Yeah. You know, Bottom of the barrel. You're not making you're, nothing. You're lucky if you're getting 15 bucks for an article. So that's the kind of thing. Because think about how long it takes to write a quality article. Now, I've worked for some sites where they don't care. 
They just want you to shit out articles. So then you're like, no, fuck it. I get 15 bucks no matter what. 500 words of garbage. Six, you know, 800 words of garbage. And then you can, uh, you build up your, your money from that. But at the same time, then you're, now you're not going to build a following. Yeah. I was hoping to build at least somewhat of a following doing that. But uh, I just get hate mail from those. So it, it, didn't, it didn't work. Because times changed since I was writing those raunchy fitness yeah. humor things. Now everybody, you know, fat acceptance movement and uh, different gender stuff. Like people just didn't work out. Uh, number three, how is your cash flow? Wait a minute before I even read this. We already pretty much covered that one. Yeah, about, you I know. think so. You want to have some savings, and if you can, obviously, money coming in. Make sure you don't get in over your head, obviously. Yeah, you don't Just want to get anything. into debt or, or yeah. anything. I would go into full-time writing like I just got fired from my job, and now I have no income. That's how yeah. I would think of it. So you want to have, a, you know, like I said before, savings, and if – like, if I got fired from my job right now, I'd probably immediately start doing freelance yeah. work and just trying to get side money. Like, because just imagine, like, what's the percentage of, like, homeless people in California you think that were, like, screenwriters oh. or, you know, like that, you know, any kind of that novelist. Or at least aspiring yeah. creatives of sorts, you know, actors, novelists, things like that. Yeah, there's de- definitely a good chunk. Number four, are you ready to play the long game? Ooh, the long game. Are you absolutely sure you're ready for this? Because chances are it's going to take a while for you to find any real success, at least in the novel writing world. Remember, most overnight success stories take years to happen, which is why so many authors take on side freelance gigs to make some extra dough. Uh, If you become not necessarily a more well-known writer, but like say you do get some short stories published and uh, maybe a novel or two that sells, it, it just sells. You know, it doesn't have to be good sell. Like you just, it's on there, it's online somewhere. Uh, if you have that kind of resume, which could be a basic resume, but you know that kind of resume, you're more likely to get picked up for magazine work and things yeah. that would be a little more enjoyable and higher paying. If you have a journalist background, that would be a lot better for getting different kinds of work. Or if you just, uh, you know, Hunter S. Thompson, like you have some like. You maybe covered events or something and you wrote about it in such a way that different magazines mm. can see that and they would want to, you to come work for them. But remember, magazines are a dying breed, so that work is drying up. Newspapers, magazines, not the best thing to get into. You never want to bank on nailing a huge book deal right off the bat, and even if you do score that book deal, you probably won't make enough money to live off. Remember, you aren't going to make Stephen King money. Hell, even Stephen King didn't make Stephen King money when he first started writing full-time. That's how I know you wrote this. Cause yeah, Stephen King a lot of Stephen Kings. Yeah. It takes years of hard work and sacrifice. Nobody said being a writer would, be, would always be fun. Continue reading on the next page. Really, Spencer? Hey, 10 bloggers like this. Nice. Nice. That's pretty good for 2017. Nowadays, we're up to like 12 bloggers like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Number five. Can you get affordable health insurance? Uh, I don't really have to go into this one either, but uh, if you are technically unemployed and you're doing freelance gigs, you know, if you, and you're living in the, because this is very United States oriented, I would yeah. imagine. Obviously, if you're, you know, in other countries, this list would probably be a little different depending on your situation because a lot of places uh, have different kinds of assistance. But if you live in the United States, for instance, health insurance is the biggest one. Most health insurance here is tied to your work. So if you're not working and you're not living off of like a welfare, you don't have like a welfare insurance, you know, off the government, which usually you can't get, I don't think, if you just quit your job. Yeah. Like I think you, you know, get fired or whatever. Usually if you have kids too, 
you know, if you're in your 20s, maybe that's not a big deal. But if you're getting a little older, like us, in your 30s or even 40s or 50s, or you have some kind of medical issue, not having health insurance is not an option. So how do you do that? You can look into buying, you know, whatever private personal coverage, I don't even know, would be out there. And that's probably super expensive. So you'd obviously have to factor this into your savings and, uh, you know, your incoming cash flow from side gigs. Now, again, if you have a spouse who's supporting you, you know, you're married, maybe you could be on their insurance. That'd yeah. be, uh, But obviously, that's a big thing you'd want to look into before quitting your job is how are you going to have health insurance? Because even if you're young and healthy, you know, you could break a fucking leg. Yeah. You know, one $3,000 bill can put you yeah. in the hole big time. Well, well, like I just I know personally, I made sure to put that in because I know my you just my 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 own personal history with uh, medical issues and stuff like that. Like and, and not imagining like, yeah, I just know with having like even like a decent insurance, that shit's still expensive, super expensive, way too expensive. <laughs> I like this one just says picture unrelated and it's a panda shooting a rainbow through a night. I like it. I do, too. Number six, are you ready to be an entrepreneur? This is one people don't actually think of when they're becoming a writer because mm-hmm. you're your own boss now. And you, they think it's just you sitting down in front of your laptop, typing away. But it's not just like, oh, you know, I'm a writer, but then I just, you know, if I get a book deal or something, somebody's paying me, I just shit. But no, you're doing most of the stuff yourself. Uh, It's kind of funny to think of yourself as an entrepreneur when you're a writer, but that's kind of what you are. You have to be ready to sell yourself and your work any way you can. Like a dirty whore. Like a whore. Or at the very least, try to find paying work from other sources to move your career along. Again, this won't be an easy process. If it were, every aspiring writer would do it. Many writers have trouble marketing themselves. They even think that if they can score that elusive book deal with one of the big-name publishers, they won't have to worry about the marketing. Unfortunately, that's 100% incorrect. So even in 2017, we both knew that the publishers do not market for you. You have to do shit yourself. In fact, many big publishers want to see your self-marketing plan before you sign a book deal. Ooh, that would kill me. To be blunt, you'll be doing the bitch work when it comes to selling your work. So you better... Double work, Spencer. Come (laughs) on, man. You could have said writing. So, uh, as an editor, I hate redundancy. Well, as somebody who edited this... uh... I I missed that. This is 2017. (laughs) I wasn't that good of an editor then, I guess. Judging by how many SpongeBob pictures I was on. Most likely, you turn this in and it's like, I don't feel like doing this. I'm just going to speed through it. Also, some of those indie author books, I'm not going to name any specific ones. Some of the sto- like uh, the anthologies I picked up, good stories. Noticed a few editing errors. Mm. A couple uh, spelling and grammatical problems. Not so much spelling errors, just uh, words missing or mm. double words or uh, were a word where you clearly noticed the author meant to delete the word and put another word like uh, one, you know, and but. It's not and, but either and or but. Like yeah. you wanted one of those, you accidentally, you know, both of them slip through. Happens sometimes. Things slip in the butt sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so you better come up with a plan on how to market yourself effectively before you quit your job to become a writer. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Is the marketing I mean, and especially especially now because you know people, you gotta have. You gotta have a shirt. You gotta have a mug. You gotta have fucking, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, you have to be a brand. Yeah. In the old days, you didn't have to be a brand. Now you had to be a fucking brand. Like, oh, uh, everything has to be a brand. Um, and you remember, even from 2017, like, writing has become even tougher. 
because now you're competing with TikTok and you know before you were competing with like YouTube and stuff, but now it's like you're really competing with like Instagram, like just people and, who put out easy, mindless entertainment, and you're a writer and, trying to get people to interest in your and, work and things that last a minute tops. Yeah. Other than to like an um you know multi hour you know read of a book yeah it's very difficult uh so you're you're really looking at a niche portion of the population here that's like who you're marketing to and uh so you have a niche portion who, of the population who, who read al- who already have way too much to read yeah. that they're never gonna read all that they have to read well, that's what I'm saying you have a niche portion of the population who even read and buy books and then you're marketing to them. And then you're probably marketing to a sub niche of that niche because, you know, if you're a sci-fi writer, you're going to market yourself to sci-fi readers. So it's just like you might actually be dwindling yourself down to the thousands. It's it's tough. Number seven, where will you get your human interaction from? Do I have to read this one? That sounds kind of stupid. I'll read it because nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about. We could just riff about it or whatever. I I don't know what you're talking about here. What interaction? For some, this could be a big deal. For others, not so much. I'm going to read it like a uh, 20s newsman real fast, okay? <laughs> For some, this could be in a big... Oh, fuck, it's hard. How do they do that? They must have been skilled uh, auctioneers, too. Yeah. For some, this could be a big deal. For others, not so much. But on average, we all need some kind of human interaction to keep us sane. This interaction usually comes from your day job. I'm sure you never really thought about this being an issue, but many of us get most of our personal interaction from work. Uh, so this just seems to be about, you know, meeting people at work and stuff. The funny thing is, <laughs> is, when this was written, like, you know, you're clearly thinking about where you'd get your social interaction yeah. from, probably just to fluff up the article. But uh, <laughs> 2020, <laughs> this became a reality for everybody. So, I don't know. Did this show that so- the pandemic, did it show that social interaction isn't all that important or more important? Some people have had a hard time. Yeah. A lot of mental health issues arose from this. Some people, like, such as myself, I was actually, like, loved not having to yeah. get like, oh, you're telling me I don't have to go to this shitty event or I don't have to go to these people's house for dinner? Like, that's kind of nice for me because I'm an introvert, but extroverts yeah. are probably fucking climbing the it. walls, getting cabin fever. Or, I mean, I honestly, I would be also climbing, even though I'm an introvert, I'd be climbing the walls if I was living in like New York City or something. Yeah. And you literally couldn't leave your house. Like, you know, where we live, it's not so bad, but some places, ugh, fucking like LA, that had to suck. Yeah, especially like in the beginning where it's like, you had certain times to go shopping, yeah. and after that, that was it. Oh. Uh, number eight. By the way, folks, I know it's April, but it got really cold here in this part of Pennsylvania. It's like 40 degrees. So if you hear that blasting sound, that's the fucking heater. Again, hey, just thought be, we were done with this. Just be happy, you guys, that we waited till after the dryer was done running. It was the washer, and it was clanging and banging. I'm not the one who turned on the washer. I'm not going to name any names, but there's only three people in this house, and two of them are me and Spencer, <laughs> and one is my uh, soon-to-be wife. Uh you think who do you think is more likely to be doing laundry well that's just sexist sir i do laundry once a week i've been doing laundry once a week for the last like fucking 15 years or actually i think i started doing laundry when i was like six let me guess like and everything's in one load yes don't separate that obviously i've been doing laundry since i was like six because if you watch how i do laundry sometimes things get ruined or shrunk i don't care if it gets ruined i throw it away fuck it um anyway Number eight, do you have the discipline to work independently? This is actually a good point. Because um, a lot of, of people think they do, but a lot of people are actually more driven by having imposed deadlines by other people 
or someone there that makes them do something. Yeah. Uh, you don't really know until you start on your own. But if you like me and you, I feel for the most part, like our writing sessions, we seem to probably do better than a lot of the times when we're by ourselves. Because when you're by ourselves, you can be like, well, I got all night to do this. And you just keep fucking yeah. off, fucking off, and fucking off. And then you're like, ah, oh, I ruined the whole. Or you just finally get too tired. Like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. That's what happens. It's one thing to get work accomplished when you have an overbearing boss breathing down your neck and barking orders at you until you get things done. That sounds like uh, somebody wrote that from personal <laughs> It's another thing entirely when it's you trying to tell yourself what to do and when to get it done by. And also, if you are like us and have some kind of, over, well, you anyway, have an overbearing boss breathing down your neck. When you get home, you probably really want to fuck off then yeah. because you, like the last thing you want to do is also be mean to yourself yeah. and make yourself work. <laughs> Far too often, writers who simply try to will themselves to get work done and and end up putting the work off over and over for some. Okay, so pretty much what I said, yeah. So that's uh, I got a Bruce Campbell gift there for yeah, some I like reason. That, I like that. Smooth. Number nine. Do you have supportive family and friends? <laughs> I got your back, buddy. <laughs> now you know what? That's more than some people got. Yeah, we got each other. Some people got nobody. <laughs> As I stated many times previously, if you're going to quit your day job, you need to make sure you have certain things set up to make that a possibility. A lot of that can come from your friends and family. Hopefully, they will be able to support you in your times of need if you decide to go this route. Obviously, you don't want to rely on other people to support you or help you out. Unfortunately, things can go south sometimes. And that's when the people you are closest with may be there to bail you out of a bad situation. You know what I actually can say from personal experiences? I had you and a few other people... Uh, well, you actually came in when I was, you know, the COVID. Yeah. We had COVID and we were fucking sick and stuff. We couldn't leave, couldn't go anywhere. You brought us, like, some groceries yeah. and a few things. Uh, Mindy's mother did the same thing. Um, and then I had like, a few few other people reach out, like, hey, if you need anything. Yeah. And, like, I really appreciate that. Uh, you don't realize, you know, during fucking how many t- days of the year you don't have any kind of problems, how important that is. Yeah. Until you actually, you know, live that. So, you might not realize it until you know you're writing and stuff, and you don't have health insurance, and then all of a sudden you get sick, and you're like, "Oh fuck, what do I do?" And you know that's you know it doesn't have to be, that could be a financial situation, mm. or you know fucking half your house gets blown up by something, and now you need mm. somebody to help you clean up the rubble. You never know. Uh, it's always good to have a a support group. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that. Um, yeah. And that could be another bite in the ass is if you think you have a support group, but you have the wrong people in your life. And well, then it, and that actually happens usually to people who have a lot of friends yeah. and even a lot of family. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'd be good. And then something happens and really nobody has their back. Well, and that's one thing I, I worry about, uh, especially on the lower indie author level of writing. It's like. You get people who are supportive and like they buy each other's books, but it's like it's this weird like circle ha- jerk. It's it's this weird house of cards of keeping people, and it's like nobody's like it's the same twenty dollars is going around yeah. in a circle, like, and, and it's nice and it's and it's cool to show support for your you know for your fellow compatriots and stuff like that. But again, it's not getting anything done if you guys are basically just handing each other books. Yeah, like. If one or especially because they're not probably going to even read them yeah. or anything like you know. Now, if one or a couple of them, you know, have say like a huge social media following or popular, or you know, maybe they're higher up on the writing scale and actually have a real publisher or something, then maybe them buying your book could actually yeah. help, you know, because they could do a little promotion for you, things like that. Where, but it's yeah, when everyone's on the, you know, mostly on the same tier, just buying each other's books, it's not doing a lot. It's again, just kind of making again, each other feel good. Again, especially like I say, if you. 
we you know talked about before, like every you know, got so much stuff to read. And it's different as if like if you if you read like one person's book in the hand, they have other books. And you're like, oh, I really like this guy's books. I'm gonna buy them to read them because mm-hmm. I enjoy them. But it, it it gets tricky whenever you're just buying somebody to help support. Essentially, just be nice and support, yeah. And they try to buy from you to try to be supportive, but it doesn't get anything out of it. Yeah, yeah. I had that one time uh, when I originally set up the uh, DPW donation page. Which, by folks, you can't donate to DPW if you ever want. All uh, all donations or any payments or anything we get actually just go to you know upkeep and you're mainly just paying for the site and the hosting fees and yeah if you go on there i think i list some of the uh costs we have so but anyway like when i first did that like an author reached out and donated like you know to be nice i think i bought their indie book they had for like 15 or 20 bucks and then they wanted to be nice and donate to us so they just pretty much sent the same money right back yeah. so it was like kind of a wash you yeah didn't, didn't you know you both feel good and we're like well, wait a minute financially we didn't make any progress we kind of helped each other out but it's almost kind of hollow well i mean neither of us promoted the other thing we just were supporting them so it did nothing yeah i mean i guess i got a book out of the deal but i actually already read that online before mm. you know so you just buying a hard copy yeah just a personal copy just give them some money but again they donated so that but to be fair i bought the book first not knowing they were going to donate yeah. so i was just thinking i was supporting them uh but then you know they obviously felt a little i don't know felt bad and just felt obligated who knows may just want to be nice too oh i skipped some shit emo toby mcguire i like that I hope that's the like if the, if they do bring the, him back in the next yeah. Spider Man, that's the that's the Toby McGuire. I that hope one. so. Yeah, folks who don't know what we're talking about. You have to go look at the article. Uh, it, it's on our website, drugpenwriter.com. Ten questions you must ask yourself before quitting your day job. If you just go on our search bar, and type ten questions you must ask. It'll, it'll come up, yeah. or should come up rather. You can also go to Spencer's author profile, but since he wrote this, he probably has be, a big list of it'd stuff. It'd be towards the bottom. Yeah, it would take a while to get down to it. Uh, number 10, this is the final one. What is your backup plan if things don't work out? This is very important, actually. Now, I don't want to be that guy, but if you do decide to quit your day job, you must have some kind of backup plan. We already went over the need for having money saved up in case things don't go as planned, but it doesn't hurt to have a possible regular job lined up just in case you find things aren't working out well at all this isn't saying things won't work out for you it's just wise to have a backup plan on the off chance you find yourself in an unsatisfactory situation you really type in unsatisfactory that doesn't seem like a word you use that seems like a word i added maybe that's a that's a high possibility but (laughs) you also gotta remember a lot of these early articles i did uh on my phone through the the voice so so, you know so yeah that that would that would help i guess (laughs) <laughs> it's satisfactory. Yeah. I, don't I don't even use that word. And it has situation behind it. It's yeah. uh, I lost where I was uh, reading there, but you get the gist of it. Again, if you want to do it the smart way, have money saved up. Um, make sure you you know your health care situation. Um, and uh, I would say like the it whether it could be the job you quit. If, you know, before you quit, like, hey, you know, if things don't work out or something in the future, would I be able to come back? Like, that's a good thing to establish. Yeah, just don't, just don't go, um, how high, yeah, how high and be like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. you." No, just be like, hey, guys, I want to put my two weeks notice in. I got this thing I want to do. Be very professional with how you do it, even if it's not that great of a job, you know, just so you could maybe come back. And also, 
periodically through your, uh, you know, between your writing time and stuff, look up jobs. Yeah. Like, just see what's hiring, what the market is, you know, because depending on, uh, you know, because a lot of people who quit their job to become full-time writers actually worked in, like, uh, either offices um, or tech. Like, that seems to be the deal with a lot of those. So, usually they can get back pretty good. I don't know about now, actually, with the coronavirus and everything. Things are a little hooey, but uh, normally those kind of jobs you can get are healthcare jobs. You can get anywhere, but... If you're a little, you know, a little lower, like, like guys like us, like if I quit my job, I could, I probably wouldn't be able to just go back to my job. Like, cause if they hired somebody else, I wouldn't be able to, yeah. I'm a small company, but I could probably find something similar or just from past shitty retail experience. I can find a, re- I, I could find a job that would be something I can do before, you know, while I look for a better job. Yeah. If that was the case, but obviously you wouldn't want to do that if you're uh trying to be a professional writer, but I, uh, I don't see myself making that move anytime soon. Like, cause the way I am too, I like, even if I Stephen King did and wrote my first novel and I became a hit and I got a big chunk, like a hundred grand or something for it, I would uh, probably still work my full-time job Yeah, for even probably for like three, unless I got like a couple million or something, yeah. I'm probably going to just keep my full-time job, maybe cut down. Yeah. See if you can uh, cut down a little bit. Be like bit. part-time or something, or even quit that job, but take a part-time job doing something easier. I would probably do that while writing i don't think i could ever see myself you know short of being famous ever just writing and not having a job of any kind i would prefer to be like uh like a nicholas oberon who can just you know get some money writing for magazines yeah. here and there or blogs or whatever i don't know whatever the fuck he does right now he's a busy man yeah um he has book deal and stuff too but you know that helps or you know our buddy ben cross over there being an archaeologist obviously he uh, is I'd, good to go. Yeah, if, I'd have to assume that they pay semi-decent. <laughs> Especially the stuff he's doing, yeah. Uh, and he had no mention of ever quitting that job. He yeah. probably loves it, so. Well, I mean, obviously that job had an influence on the stories that he wrote. Yeah. So, which we gotta check, see if his book is finally available to get again. Yeah, I gotta do that, because I want to get the, like I we said on the episode, I want to get the print edition. Yeah. Because uh, I already have the book, I you know, the e-version, I just, but I want the the print one also i want to support him too like we talked about like, i actually want to buy it because he just sent me the free copy well you know like whatever his publisher copy is but i, I would prefer to have like a physical copy because yeah. that's the way i am like these indie books i could have bought these all you know either got them for free or a dollar i was like no i'm gonna buy the physical copies because i'm a gentleman yeah if i got the the funds and the means to do it i'm and, gonna do and it especially for books like these these aren't like big door stopper like yeah. taking up a whole bunch of room exactly um, no Jerusalem. No Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Fucking Jerusalem. Shut up, Spencer. I'm bringing that up because I keep going. I started reading another chapter. Here's my problem with Jerusalem. Quick breakdown says I don't know when Ashley's ever going to get back to reading it so we can do an official IRC. So you're going to be my rant, <laughs> my rant face. I'm going to rant <laughs> okay. in your face about it. Right. I, I got, you know, I'll do it for two minutes. Might not even take that long. I really like the book sometimes. Yeah. I'm only like 130 or 50 or something pages in. So you got like a thousand, couple hundred more? Well, yeah, I got over a thousand more. But I'm also technically like a thousand pages in because of how fucking long these pages are in the writing and the small font. And uh, it's probably, I probably read three novels just reading this one. See, my problem is some chapters are really good. 
Because every chapter is a different person he's introducing in different time periods. So you might be in the 1800s. You might be in modern time. You, you don't know. And it just bounces back yeah. and forth. There's no like. Like the ch- one chap- the last chapter, it was about this old guy walking through the town. I'm like, oh, that's kind of boring. And then he uh, does some weird shenanigans. And you're like, okay. This-. And then he ends up having sex with a lady back in time. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. This dude is a ghost. And he's stuck in a loop. Uh, he, he made himself st- like he he can leave the loop, but he just chooses to be in the loop. Same with the lady. So he's like old guy walking around. But then when he goes do certain things, he keeps reliving the sex he had with this lady when he's younger. And then he like sperms cold ectoplasm on her. And then when he leaves, he starts walking away and then he gets older. Again. But it's like the same exact thing he's done all these times. It's very interesting. And then he like fucking gets crazy. I can't even explain it. I have notes, but. But then the next chapter I started reading, it's like some fucking boring shit. Like every chapter is different. Like I said, it's a different narrative. It's a different perspective. It's just different people. I just, what the fuck are you doing, Alan Moore? God damn it. It's not this. It's like, it's like every chapter is just a fucking different story in the same place, but a different time. I'm like, oh God, is this going to get better? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, check out IRC number whatever, if we ever release it. This, At least might, I, this might be the book that broke you guys. Oh, I'm planning on finishing, but even if we don't finish it, I gotta at least have one more IRC on it just to say, like, we fucking bailed. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not just gonna leave it hanging. But, uh, like, actually, he's just like, well, you got six, so I just returned the book to the library. So like, you fucking jerk, you just didn't want to read it. I know what you did. I know what you did. You didn't want to read it. I don't blame you because I don't want to read it. I read, like, three books since then. Uh, this is the DBW podcast. Did you want to add anything to the topic at hand? Uh, no. It? I, I wasn't as cringy as I thought it was going to be going to. No, through. you know what? It was, it was better written than I expected it was going to be for that time period. There's also some, uh, cool links here on the bottom to other articles you wrote. I'm assuming you wrote them. Three ways to keep your writing unpredictable. Yeah. Four quick tips to help you, help you craft a killer story ending. Six quick tips to write a Better bag. We should probably just start doing these for the episode. Yeah. Because uh, these sound, that sounds good. Sound like good things. Yeah. Good, uh, good stuff. Anyway, this has been the DBW Podcast. If you want to check out our fine articles that we stopped writing like a year ago because <laughs> we just didn't want to do them anymore. But we have a lot, actually. We do have a lot of good articles on there. Uh, drunkenpenwriting.com. It's under, what is that under now? It's not just articles because I some time ago changed the uh, menu settings here. Uh, it is just it's under on the house if you go to on the house in the menu because this is all free stuff it's articles uh the only thing that's actually not free is uh on top shelf we have a couple stories that are uh considered premium content but everything else on the site is free and those stories i don't think anybody's fucking bought those i don't know i don't know i don't know i just want i just want to try it out yeah see what happens testing it for future uh you know, future things. Um, if you want to check us out on Twitter, Drunk Pen Writing, we've been sharing some saucy memes lately about books and writing and stuff that I steal off of other things like, uh, I don't know, whatever fucking post pops up on Facebook. How come there's not a site called Boner Book? That would, have you looked? I want, if it's not, I'm going to buy the domain and have Boner Book, but it's not going to have any sexual connotation yeah. at all. So it'll be very confusing. It'll be like a thing about llamas or something. It'll be like a place where people who enjoy llamas can get together and chat about it. Why would it be called Boner Book? Just because. Just because I would like to do that. Well, you can go on Facebook at Drunken Pen Writing and Instagram. What's the name? 
Drunken Pen Writing? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the name yeah. anymore. Um, should have just made everything DPW so I don't have to always say fucking three word title. Again, we weren't so good with the titles back then. Now we got Space War stories, so we're fucking tops. Yeah, we're tops now. We know what we're doing boy. now. We cracked the code. Listen to the title episode if you uh, want to know how we cracked the code on the titles. <laughs> Space War story. Fuck, I forgot. I wanted to do the last story. I got enthused about my actual story I'm working on, so I kind of blew off your That's editing, understandable. Editing story, but I'll get to it. Maybe this weekend. Everything's this weekend. That's my problem also. I always get to the weekends like, oh, you know what? The weekend, free, man. I'll do everything on the weekend. I'm going to do all the stuff on the weekend. I'm going to sleep until 3 o'clock. No, fuck. <laughs> on the weekend. Wake up in a drunken daze. Like, what did I do? Oh, I watch shitty horror movies all night. Anyway, folks, thank you for listening. <laughs> um, yeah, bye. See you later.